welcome to the Pink Isle. My name is Henry Kathman. And I'm Emma Corey. Hi. Yes. Hello. Are you ready to return to dancing movies? Dancing movies, I gotta say, it's been a long time coming. I know. It's like, it's like going home after a long day, really. I agree. And the movie we're going to be watching today is a very interesting specimen. Because so far, these past couple of episodes, we've been watching some very, very modern movies that have been a big departure from the standard ideal of what a Barbie movie is and isn't. And as a result, this return to form, I'm very interested in seeing how it turns out because we are going to be watching Barbie and the Pink Shoes today. Now, Which, just kind of like reading into this, like from what I've heard, this one is almost like, at least parts of it are a bit to like a homage to earlier ones because it contains like nutcracker references and stuff like that. Because it's like ballet based. Yes, and it doesn't just share uh, references to the Nutcracker. It also shares a director. Uh, returning as director, director of Barbie and uh, Barbie and the Nutcracker and Barbie as Rapunzel and uh, Barbie in Swan Lake, Owen Hurley. Yeah. So, so it's kind of, I'm kind of looking forward to this. Like after so many like fashion rock star movies it'll be nice to get something that's a bit more like of a traditional barbie movie yeah and i feel like i'm always hesitant to like focus on like oh we should get back to traditional like stuff with this piece of media because that ends up i don't know that ends up rubbing me the wrong way and coming off as real reactionary but at the same time like i feel like there was something that was kind of lost when they sort of left that sort of traditional fairy tale structure. Yeah. I think the- because, like, I don't know, at least the more recent Barbie movies you've seen have felt, has felt a lot more dated, even though they all came out in this past decade. That's true. Cause and, like, anything that reminds me of the early 2010s is already... <laughs> yeah, I think so. Places. I agree. I think the notion of trying to make them hashtag relatable has sort of kneecapped their potential to make uh some really memorable characters and interesting character dynamics because that's usually been like the main bread and butter of this series of movies but all that said uh joining owen hurley as writer or joan hurley as director yes joining owen hurley as the director coming to write is allison taylor I believe this is the only one she's written, right? This is the only one she's made. So she just got in and out. And judging by her work, like most of her writing work kind of petered off after 2013. She's been working pretty consistently since 1995, working on Married with Children and writing both of the Cheetah Girls movies and three episodes of Lizzie McGuire. But... I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what she ends up bringing to yeah, the table. Yeah, I'm like, I'm just kind of intrigued about this movie in general. Like, I'm hoping it'll be like something a bit different, a bit of a breath of fresh air. Yeah, though there is one thing that, like, we briefly just read the premise, and uh, so this movie's premise is that there's an evil ice queen that uh, Barbie has to overcome. It did come out in 2013. It did come out in February 2013. 
Now, I'm not saying Mattel cheaply produced a cash crab in anticipation of Frozen, but... That almost makes sense because, like, I think the Ice Queen is a villain in this one. And, like, when Frozen was being, like, developed, like, Elsa would have been a more villainous character. Yeah. So, this was, like, pre... During Frozen hype, but pre-Frozen releasal. Yes, and pre... I don't think they're going to do the sympathetic Snow Queen. Oh, yeah. I don't anticipate a Let It Go equivalent, which, if you... God, imagine. But I think uh, it's time we slip on our own pink shoes and join Barbie as we explore this totally not frozen plot. What happens to Barbie in the pink shoes? The all-new DVD. Barbie dancing in a magic ballet. When Barbie dances, the pink shoes turn her into a star ballerina. In a fairy tale world of ballet. With her friends and the handsome prince. Starring in a magic ballet. She's two in one. Barbie and the Pink Shoes, dolls and other dolls each sold separately. Barbie and the Pink Shoes, you can own it on Blu-ray and DVD, February 26th. And we're back. Hello. Um, again. <laughs> this is a good one. Yeah, this is a, this was, I was honestly kind of expecting this one to be at least different than others. Yes. To be a bit of a fre- bit breath of fresh air. But, you know, honestly... This movie was kind of bomb. (laughs) This movie. Like, I want to apologize for the early segment because I was going to accuse this thing of being a Frozen ripoff, which there are design elements surrounding the Snow Queen that definitely give that vibe. But at the same time, like... No, I I think what I liked a lot about this one, it really... It didn't really feel like anything else I had seen before. This was a... It had its very own kind of, like, unique thing going on. Very, very, very much so. This is a thoroughly original story and a really, really... Like, there's... I... I mean, I don't know how to describe this thing. It's kind of sort of like a... Narnia yeah. slash that one a page master movie. Oh my <laughs> god, it's a ballet page master. Yeah. I've gotta say, like, I know like there are a lot of things about that era of animation that don't age well, but I honestly always thought the page master was kinda cool. Yeah, it definitely comes off as like this was and in a lot of ways that those kind of movies try to introduce children to, like, classic literature, this was sort of like a kiddie's introduction to some classical ballet. Yes, yeah, okay. Like, I think this more than any of the other, like, early movies that had, like, a dancing element, this one is a way more, like, actually about the art of ballet. Yes, like, I would be genuinely interested in seeing what actual ballerinas have to say about this movie. Yeah, it kind of made, it kind of feels like it was made for the very specific demographic of, like, eight-year-old girls that get ballet lessons that have to go to ballet lessons and are feeling kind of and they're like that mean old teacher won't let me dance the way i want to yeah which which it, there's a lot to be said about uh, how the ballet industry uh, treats young women and uh especially young women mm. very young women and yeah. it's uh in fact there's a good case that could be said about all types of dance Especially in the proximity of moms. Yeah. And ba- da- well, ballet almost was actually because ballet kind of like pushes you to have a very specific kind of like body shape. Yes. Very specific and body very, shape. Like, 
and stuff that is very physically demanding on a person's incredibly body. demanding like there it dancing is one of those things that like i mean anyone already in the arts already knows this of like oh dancing is just as physically taxing as sport it's the same thing with cheerleading and those types of sports as well but like this the like there's a saying that like the reason why they make ballet shoes pinks is so that you don't easily notice the blood pouring from people's feet Speaking of this, is the pink shoes. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that really uh, puts on a whole other layer. But I don't know. This movie, it was just, I thought it was very interesting. It was also maybe one of like the funniest Barbie movies. Oh my God, seen. yes. Listener. This, say, this, meant, this movie has three himbos in it. Three it's like himbos. Himbo max. And, the, and the nice thing is, is that usually when we get himbo representation, it often. We're lucky enough to just get one himbo, and when it does happen, it feels very token, and it doesn't actually feel very representative of the himbo community. Yeah. Speaking as a himbo ally, please, any himbos out there, let me know if I'm not in my lane on this one. But I, you know, seeing such a diversity, yeah, they got they these... got like the the snobby himbo. They got they got the rugged himbo. They got the sporty himbo. Like they're all here. They're all here. We did it. Truly a win for the battles of representation. <laughs> Oof. Oh, anyway, God. so listener, I want this is one of those times, just like Magic of Pegasus, I would tell you, watch this movie bef- like if this movie is amazing and Honestly, a great deal of our enjoyment came from just the sheer surprise of this. I mean, granted, this, I was so surprised with Magic of Pegasus because that was a Barbie movie I never grew up. But, like, being able to share that with you, Emma, was, like, this was a great experience. I know, and it's just, it's just so nice to get something that's, like, because I feel like with a lot of other, other, of these other Barbie movies, they kind of, like, fall into the same kind of structures and after a while you just like sort of run out of things to say yeah but this one it doesn't really just like mood and tone and i feel like that honestly might be due to the writer for this one it just makes it feel very different from any other barbie movie but still also like having some homages to older barbie movies with the ballet because you get the swan lake and then the nutcrackers question yeah Yeah, we'll get get to that but but and also you know I don't know. I just really, really enjoyed it. And also, what I like about this movie is more than any of the other, like, dancing Barbie movies, in this one, the dancing sequences actually, like, serve more of a character and plot focus, yeah, plot point like, to them than they did in When they showed movies. up in, like, 12 Dancing Princess and Swan Lake and stuff, like, I just remember being very bored yeah, because- by them. I mean, here, like, the dance sequences are long as well, but it- they feel like they have more of a point and aren't just, like filler and fluff, yeah you know? exactly but yeah listener if watch this movie may watch it come back and listen to us but if you just want to know what happens like if i want like i feel like most of the people who listen to this show already like have seen these movies so like they already I mean, I think it depends i feel like with these newer movies there's probably a lot of people that have not seen that's them, yeah. true like 
I mean, I guess let this be a lesson that, like, there's still some blood in this franchise, even at 2013, after going on for 13 years. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So, I guess uh, this movie begins in a modern uh, ballet studio, and which was the first thing that I wasn't expecting. I was thinking, like, oh, pink shoes, like, I saw Snow Queen. Okay, we're going to do a once thing. I thought we were going to do that good old framing device to which I was going to be like, oh, wow, we're really going back to the old days. But no, no. Uh, we're just seeing Barbie, who plays this girl named Kristen, uh, who is a dancer in this ballet company. And, uh, well, before that, there's a scene where, like, the young, young girls, uh, the, uh, oh, God, what's, Skipper? Yeah. The uh, Skipper. No, the, her, her name was, the Kelly in this is named Hannah. Oh. So. We only get Chivalry. her name in the sec in the short that yeah. was made after this. We'll talk about the short later too. Yeah, but essentially we just get, so the, what we're establishing here is that you have Kristen and then she has her friend, her best gal pal Haley, who is yep. like, uh, Total gal like pals. a wardrobe woman. And then she has a rival named Tara, who is like, essentially like the ballet princess of the company who gets yeah all who's a hundred percent perfect and then you got the kin dylan who is like also a dancer who she has a crush on and then you have the woman who's overseeing it like madame natasha who is mm-hmm. the strict ballet instructor now i gotta say something i was like you i guess you were able to pick up on this more than me but that was tabitha saint germain yeah that was i did not get that voice impression from her maybe i'm just used to like some of her other voice work but i mean she good. sounded she sounded like rarity to me and when, oh. when she was the ballet instructor so. oh okay well you would definitely know more about yeah. that with you gotta me, get but... on the brony level henry mm. do i be... though <laughs> do i really emma it opens so many avenues oh i'm sure it does i i don't know if those are roads i want to walk down <laughs> But anyway, so this movie, so this movie does sort of a Wizard of Oz thing where like characters that you see in the real world also appear as characters in the fantasy world. Yeah. So, because Madame Natasha ends up playing the Snow Queen, the villain, and like when they get to the fantasy world, which we'll get to that. But also, so Tara is like really successful and she gets cast as the leads, which is kind of implied it might be because her uh, father is like overseeing is like a talent manager or something that that was my stuff. first impression yeah. but given how madame natasha like just totally has no time for his like bs like you almost get the impression that like uh like tara's like one of those girls who like tr- who genuinely worked her way up and meanwhile her dad's like honestly kind of making it worse for her or she's just like no, let me do this on my own, Dad. Yeah, Get so, out of my life, Dad. So, according to the ballet instructor, Madame Natasha Tara is, like, the perfect, like, super disciplined ballet. Kristen, she's a good dancer, but she she changes the choreography. Mm, she's, she's not like those other ballet dancers. She's spontaneous. Dance. She dances with her own feet. She don't play by your rules, Natasha. Yeah. And, uh, Which is all fine and good until you like accidentally step on someone's foot because you're not following yeah, the correct choreography. Yeah. Okay. This is like I think my only like real complaint yeah, or flaw. I was like I guess I kind of take that part of it where it's like she needs to be able to be free and more like 
a metaphorical thing than so much as like saying like, a practical thing. Yeah, because like in real life ballet, like it's not gonna go well if you don't follow the choreography. Yeah, the whole point of ballet is that like the this choreography is like a grand tradition yeah. that has been passed down through different. Though I can see like in this movie, they're like, well, she needs to be able to get into a situation where she could make her own choreography. That and would sort of make like more sense. Yeah. These sort of like classic structures. That, that, yeah, that's what I think. Like, this is definitely like, it's touching upon like all of the themes that we just love in these movies. Like, we got the, like, pl- we got friendships, like, between like the girl characters. We got like bucking systems of tradition, like, freedom of expression. It's, it's there and it's great. Yeah. And, but, yeah okay i do want to talk a little bit about the friends though yeah so she has her friend who goes on her on the adventure Haley, who is like she she came off as pretty lesbian coded oh (laughs) oh it all this like like, hetero bs is going on she has no yeah that's the thing like uh other people have commented about this on this movie, but, like... Yeah, this is co- one of the gayer Barbie movies. The only thing with Haley is that she's not a very super well-rounded character. Like, yeah. We she doesn't really get an arc or anything. We don't no. really know much about her, except that she's, like... Uh, she wants to design clothes. And also, like, when they're off in the fantasy world, she's the, like, realistic one who wants to, like, get out of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think... So, that... like, I can't really put her on the same level as, like, the friend character from like diamond castle or anything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i mean still like her relationship with Kristen is fun yeah definitely yeah. definitely but i don't know like i feel like just right out the gate this movie just subverted so many of my expectations and i think like it ended up being such a refreshing mm-hmm. change but after doing her dance and uh all that stuff uh Kristen tore her shoe yeah she's so the whole thing is like she has to do this like milkmaid dance like she never really gets to do the super like popular well-known dances yeah and again she has this problem with Tara who Tara is kind of like at least in the beginning kind of like a snotty bitch you know yeah yeah and which she doesn't really retain for the rest of the movie no she might just be hangry right now yeah that she does like Given her development, like, she did kind of get the impression that she was mostly just stressed because of her dad and she was taking it out on Kristen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my headcanon anyway. Mm-hmm. But with her torn off shoe, uh, uh, Catherine... Yeah, and she tore it after she started not going with the choreography and her yeah. dance. And we got, like, those musical cues, like, yeah. she's offbeat. That's the thing that's interesting. I feel like this is one of those things that would be, like more impactful for people who actually knew about this choreography because like looking at her dances versus like the choreography dances they look they look really similar listener like i'm i'm sorry maybe it's just my untrained eye for this stuff but it just it yeah, both looks like, like ballet motion captured dancing well it's not that she's not dancing ballet it's that she's like not following the set choreography yeah so yeah but like when people People talk about how it's like, oh, I've never seen anyone dance like that. Oh, it's truly revolutionary. And it's like, how? I, 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 I would just... 
I think the implication is that the people around there, like, know the choreography for the dances she's doing. Yeah, really well, and so I think like... that's kind of the expectation with the audience as well. Yeah. But this is the kind of movie where it's like, I kind of wish I had more knowledge of some of these ballets that they talk about in this movie because it kind of like. But I won't give them credit. It does make me genuinely interested in knowing more about them. Yeah. So anyway, she has to go down to uh, Madame Katerina's place with Haley, where Katerina is, I guess, Natasha's sister and is the costume designer for this place. And. Nata- uh, Katerina remarks how, like, oh, Natasha's always been like that, uh, focusing so much on the steps and the choreography. But she doesn't know about the feeling of dancing. Yeah, and it's just like, I don't know, she's, she's probably head of this ballet company for a reason. I don't know, I didn't, I mean, uh, this is one of those types of movies that didn't necessarily have, like, an overt antagonist. Yeah. But it was interesting. It's kind of... I like. I feel like this journey here is, like, very much more of a metaphorical one. Yeah. A literal one. Yeah. Especially with, like, the whole Wizard of Oz, like, characters mm-hmm. in the real world or characters in the fictional world type thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But, so, they're looking around, and uh, Haley is trying to find a size 5 for Kristen, but she can't. Which, Jesus, size 5? Like, I... Like, for women, that's... Tiny feet. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's smaller or bigger than your shoe size. I have eight and a half. So Jesus that's Christ! <laughs> that's small feet. But Bar- Barbie must be like what? She's got those. She's got those little tiny permanently wearing heels feet. So. Oh God! Oh God! What if it might be like a foot body thing? Anyway, uh, <laughs> so they aren't able to find any of these size fives, and then Madame Katarina's like, oh. Well, there might be one in the back. Let me go check. And while they're doing that, they're looking at all these great costumes. Like, I just honestly love the environment they set with this ballet house. It, Even though it's, like, definitely a professional-looking space, like, they do actually present a nice mixture of it looking like a real production house as well as, like... Yeah, I feel like the... Especially the very beginning of the movie is really kind of grounded in realism. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So it was kind of interesting. Kind of gave me Black Swan vibes. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Which is a, sort of, you know, they're kind of very similar movies if you think about it. In this one, Barbie it's goes to about, a fantasy world that makes her, like, understand herself better. And in that other one, uh, about, Natalie Portman uh, has her own kind of fantasy thing going hmm, on. Yeah. <laughs> Less, I mean, you know, Tara is Mila Kunis in this situation. I mean, there are strong lesbian undertones in both of yeah. them. I'm not, I mean, we're not saying. <laughs> that this is a better movie than Black Swan. <laughs> but it, it I will say it makes the world of ballet feel more appealing. <laughs> Although I don't know if that was that's not necessarily the point of Black Swan anywho. But yeah, I mean I don't know. As someone who's always been like a sucker for costume design and like Barbie gets multiple dresses. The in this dresses song. in this show, in this movie, I don't again know much about ballet, but like I found the designs of these dresses like very appealing. Like I don't know. What did you think of? Uh, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Like, you know how they would go through the different ones, and like they got and they they were a lot more like diversified than some other ones. Like, yeah, some different yeah, kind they, of like colors and looks to them. Yeah, it's interesting how they were able to make like 
everyone looks so visually distinct from one another. Yeah. But also, I think it was interesting to note that the outfit that uh, Kristen wears at the beginning of this movie is very much like the outfit that Barbie wore in the framing device of the original Nutcracker. Yeah. Like, like it, it does beg the question of how close... I mean, with Swan Lake and Nutcracker both sharing a director with this movie, like, it is interesting to know, like, what... Like, how closely were they trying to adhere to this, like, these older movies? Like, because we get a lot of, like, Swan Lake in this movie, yeah. which is kind of interesting to compare it to how, like, Swan Lake was presented in the Swan Lake movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. But, so, anyway, uh, Katarina brings her the titular pink shoes, and which... Haley immediately offers to bleach them, which is, like... Yeah, because they don't go with the outfit, but... But, but now, Kristen, she's not like those other girls. So she's like, no, pink is always in style. And she puts them on and then suddenly whoosh into a fantasy world. They're in this like fantasy forest. And not only that, but, uh, well, Haley is with her, but Kristen has been transformed. Her hair is now strawberry blonde and she now has... A dress on that they had established earlier that they saw in the wardrobe was the dress that the character Giselle wears in the ballet titled Giselle. Yeah. And so she's kind of realized that she's been sort of put into this situation. So that's kind of like, this is sort of how we introduce the premise of this movie. Is that mm -hmm. essentially her going around and her kind of stepping into the main character roles of these famous ballets. Yeah. Which... I don't think Giselle is a really well-known one to the No, it's an interesting one to start off with, but I gotta say they... Like, I didn't know what it was until this movie, so... Yeah, but I gotta say they do make a very good pitch for Giselle, because they're, like, journeying throughout this forest and, like, trying to figure out what the hell is going on, and eventually they come across this field where apparently there's a harvest festival coming, and this is a key part of Giselle where apparently, um... Like, first, like, the townsfolk begin to dance for the Harvest Festival, and then there's a... And then, like, Giselle will emerge to be crowned Queen of the Harvest. And apparently two men will start vying for her love. I don't know. The, and after the townsfolk do their dance, they're very, very well choreographed and very interesting dance. Also, side note! Hey, movie, you got people of color in the background now. What wow. A, what an amazing stuff. Yeah, it took you 12 years, but okay. Like, actual people, I mean. I, I feel mean, like they've had that before. I mean, they've had, like, people that were more with, like, tanner skin and stuff. But, I don't know, like, it, it felt interesting to see, like, more overtly portrayed people of color. I don't know. It's a... It's a step. It's a step. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's not a great amount of steps, but it's a step. But uh, anyway, so she uh, figures out that she's essentially now become the titular character Giselle. Mm -hmm. And she goes into dance. Yeah. And so, and this is where we get introduced to... Uh, well, whoa, 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 wait. We gotta stop before then because... They're about to head out, and while they're uh, while they're talking about the play, 
uh, Haley's just like, hey, you know how this story ends, right? This ends with Giselle getting murdered and Ghost coming out. Like... Yeah, I was looking up to the plots of this ballet, and apparently it is, like, at least the second act is just a bunch of ghosts coming around and, like, murdering which, people. Which sounds rad as They should make that Barbie hell. movie. Yes! <laughs> Mattel! We say this every episode, but, like, give us the script to Barbie as Giselle... Show us this murder Barbie party. We will write this because it sounds amazing. But the reason why Giselle is murdered is because of our two love interests. So we get the two love interests that really show a true commentary on class divide. (laughs) Because we got uh, the prince or noble character. uh, What's his name again? Oh, Jesus. Starts um, with an A. Prince Albrecht. Prince Albrecht. And then you have Hilarion, who is the peasant character who is also going after Giselle. Yeah, which I do wonder, I guess this thing is Italian? It, I, um, I think it's French. That actually sounds... Because yeah, it was that, like based off like a Victor Hugo story. Really? According to Wikipedia. Hell... Yes, we get some. We finally it's, get it's some. It's the Victor's... closest thing we get to Barbie, Barbie presents. <laughs> oh my god, I am all here for it. But yeah, so uh, uh, Hilarium and Albrecht—they're both vying for uh, Giselle's attention, and and the thing I love is that, like, in the initial part of the dance, like. Uh, Haley's just, like, walking to, like, Albrecht, because the whole thing in the original story, apparently, is that Albrecht is prosing as a peasant so that he can get close to, the Ge- to Giselle. And it's kind of funny, because, like, Haley is, like, aware of the story, so she's, like, going up to him being like, so, you're really a peasant, huh? And it's like, oh, uh, quite, yes, yeah, I... Yeah, he's the snobby him- himbo. Yes, uh, I, I do like working and uh, earning a wage. Yes, like the. He peasants. said some really biting class commentary. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Parasite who? Bongju who? <laughs> this is a very interesting thing. Like, I mean, the comparisons between like a Barbie meets Page Master meets Wizard of Oz type thing. Like, it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, like, it kind of takes a lot of familiar concepts and kind of makes it into something new. Yeah, know? and I, which is almost as if that's the theme of the movie! Hey. And, yeah, but no, alongside that, um, it's interesting that... And it's just so interesting that we got, like, some major characters in this, like, movie that are based off, like, characters just, like, sort of like dark ballet that the yes. main audience would probably not be familiar with. Yes, but I gotta say, I can't imagine how many people like heard about this play and ended up like going to like looking up. I gotta, I, I want to know more about this ballet now. Good job, movie. And but then fi- but then out uh, hilarium comes around and is like no. Albrecht's the imposter. Giselle, I wish to marry you. So they get in a whole argument about, like, 
who should marry him? And she and he's like, I can get you gold. And he's like, I can get you a milking bucket. <laughs> I can get you buckets filled with gold. Golden buckets. Uh, so, and it's it's hard to describe. Like I get, but like it is honestly pretty funny watching this banter happen. Like yes. they kind of act as like the comic relief while we're here. Like we get their uh, exploits, and it's pretty fun. To oh yeah, honest. oh yeah, definitely. I, oh man. I, I don't want to, were it not for the great relationship between uh, Kristen and Haley, I would say they're the best part of this movie. Oh, God. But. Oh, yeah, they're totally gay as well. Oh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Himbos, that stick together. Stay together. <laughs> Himbo loving himbo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm telling you, landmark representation. So, but we're skipping over the best parts about this whole marriage thing. Like, this movie, like, almost is self-aware and, like... Because immediately they're, like, asking her to marry, to for her to marry them. And, like, Kristen, who's just kind of, like, showed up in this, like, other store that she's not a part of, of course, is very confused and alarmed. And, and like, is... because she's also from, like, the modern era and she's like, marry you guys. I'm only 17. And then they're like, it's never too late. And, <laughs> and that like, you don't was look a the... day after 16. Like, they make that joke in this movie. That, honestly, I would have said that was the best joke in the movie, but the yeah, one but that... But then I'm... they bring it back later yeah. when they're going to the castle. And oh, we'll like... get to that one. We can't spoil it now. But okay, so my yeah, favorite this... joke was when... Uh, Hilarium, uh, like, goes to Giselle and she's like, marry me! Marriage? That's hilarious. No, no, Hilarium. <laughs> and I'm just... And I'm like... It's pretty movie. You're telling jokes! And they're great jokes! I, this this is great. Any, but suddenly... You can just tell, like, the, like, the writer had, like, fun writing Oh, definitely. Two. You can tell that she definitely knew her stuff about, like, ballet. Like, this is, like, almost as if it was, like, a passion project where she was like, all right, I have all of these deep cuts about ballet. I need to get this out. Yeah, and this was her only Barbie movie she wrote. You really think that maybe, like, she had this idea for, like, a kid's movie that was, like, a ballet kind of, like, Narnia thing? And then yeah. Like, well... We have a Barbie. She sometimes does ballet. Well, given the fact that Owen Hurley was, like, the primary director and producer for this, like, I almost got the sense that, like, he really enjoyed making these ballet movies as well. Like, I, as a producer, I wouldn't be surprised if he also had some hand in the writing of this. And it's really interesting. I want to know about Owen Hurley because most of his stuff is mostly, like, mainframe entertainment stuff. Like, he he's, seems yeah. like a like, very... I feel like it would just be so interesting if we could, like, get someone in here to talk about, Please. like, the production of these movies. Someone. We, we, like, I will pay good money to talk to one of you guys. Just someone. Anyway, but yeah, this wedding banter is somewhat interrupted when suddenly the Snow Queen descends into the area she's got like a she's got a snow carriage there's one carriage in this movie but it's it's the evil carriage it's the evil carriage pulled by elk and it's like and she leaves like an ice trail behind yeah her. and again this is one of the things i almost want to apologize for like i was initially thinking like oh wow this is going to be like a frozen ripoff 
but the Narnia Wizard of Oz page master thing, like, she definitely gave White Witch vibes on this one, especially oh, yeah. with the crown of icicles and the sleigh and, like, the mink coat. Like, it's... Which, granted, is, like, a lot more close to the original portrayals of the Ice Queen, and that's what C.S. Lewis was inspired by when he made the White Witch. So it makes sense. It's like a, a loop, but... Yeah. If only Santa Claus is in this movie. Oh my god. He could have. I mean, we'll get to that whole thing later, but, uh... <laughs> but, yeah, apparent. But what happens is, like, she comes in and she's like, this is not how the story is supposed to go. And she starts freezing people. Yeah, she, like, freezes Giselle's mother. Which is kind of, like, creepy how she does it. People just kind of, like... All she does is just, like, breathe on them. And they are just suddenly petrified in this icy form. And it's just, like... If you guys have this, like, Giselle and Haley had, like, split at this point. Because things are getting kind of crazy with the two dudes. Yeah. So they're kind of, like, watching, like hidden from the forest mm-hmm. and like Giselle is very much like I mean sorry Kristen's very much like well we gotta do something about it and like Haley is like no why don't you take off those shoes so we can get out of the situation yeah definitely Which it's kind of established early on that like all she has to do is just take off the shoes and not be here anymore yeah but it's sort of like she has to go on this emotional journey first you know yeah I feel like the reason why they did this is Kristen is just so enthralled with, like, this magical world, which, honestly, I can't say I'm... But, like, the whole thing where she's just wanting to, like, continue to dance and all this stuff, like, she... It's so interesting. Like, like, sort of the internal conflict ends up becoming such a big driver of, like, the external conflict. That's good characterization! That's efficient storytelling! Yeah, that's what I meant by this kind of being more, like, metaphorical, because, like, what the Snow Queen really wants is very unclear. Yes. Like, you can all see that this, like, this, like, world kind of exists in this sort of weird kind of state where, like, they are, like, actually performing the ballet. Like, people just, like, dance around, and that's the thing. And she's, like... Kristen is kind of like interfering in that. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like a Lego movie situation. Oh my god, (laughs) it is! Holy crap! Wow. Wow. I think that also came out... Wait, I think Lego Movie was 2014, actually. 2014, yes. Yeah. But it's still... still so crazy. So... I know, I'm just re- waiting for one of these days to one of these Barbie movies to get, like, really meta. Oh, yeah. Um, like, it has to happen at some point. I mean, they kind of did it with Fashion Fairy Tale. Kind of, but, like, eh. Not to, like, an impressive degree. Like, this movie blows out the zombie peas right out the water. <laughs> but she ends up, uh, so Kristen and Haley, they end up vamoosing, and the two uh, the two himbos end up making their pursuit against her. And uh, yeah, so they're heading north, and uh, Snow Queen's heading south. So they're like, all right, west it is. But meanwhile, they're talking about how like we should just take off the shoes and go but Kristen's like no no let me stay and dance I just want to dance and eventually they end up 
stumbling on Swan Lake because of this. Yeah, and Haley is like, oh, just because it's a lake with swans in it doesn't mean it's the Swan Lake. And then the swans turn into girls, so it's And like... she's just like, oh. And then they're talk, and then Kristen's talking about, oh, this is amazing. These poor swan girls have been turned into swans by the evil wizard. And this, it is said that the the lake is made out of the tears of the parents and and it's like which is a real thing from the story and yeah, this the, one definitely has a lot more details from the story that honestly weren't in the swan lake movie which i mean Haley rightfully points out like this lake is made out of tears oh my god that's real gross which oh god also um kristen is now transformed again she now has is in a different ballet outfit with she, like brown hair and yeah like... she has brown hair now so she has become odette essentially yeah <laughs> anyway while they get here she starts like dancing with like the other swan yep, girls and she's then become odette kin the prince uh <laughs> who is called siegfried in this one like the original ballet instead yeah. of like Derek or whatever so oh um, god so that's another thing. And so, and he is also played by, he's same character as Dylan in the real world, who's the kin. So yeah, he's more of the love interest in this one. But so they meet and then they start doing the dance. Yeah. And again, I think like the contrast of having Haley there, like having that sort of sense of urgency being like, we should go. This is it like creates a nice tension between like these very peaceful dance scenes while also like keeping us reminded about the stakes in the story. And I think, again, efficient storytelling. This is good stuff. Good, good stuff. But suddenly, uh... The evil wizard appears. Yeah, Rothbart, who is uh, Tara's father from the real universe. Which, and, which he is not, he does not have a big bird man face, yeah, which is, like, you guys, nor is he voiced by Frasier. So. You couldn't get Kelsey Grammer in 2013 for this? Like, you're telling me I that mean, Kelsey Grammer had nothing better to do in 2013? I mean, Kelsey Grammer, people who work with Kelsey Grammer can barely get him to learn his lines, so maybe they thought it was best against it. Well, I guess for Fair. for voice recording, you can just go off the script. Yeah, but, yeah, but man... Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a stunt-casted celebrity villain in one of these movies. I mean, we, we had one relatively recently. There was, a, uh, I mean, got Tim Curry, and then there was someone after that. Was there? Maybe. I don't think so. Yeah. No, you're probably right. Anywho, but as he's, he, just when uh, Kristen's about to take off the shoes, oh, turned into swans. He turns into swans and he's like, now I will take my daughter Odile to the dance. And the prince will fall in love with her. But before that, Snow Queen comes again. And like, goes to him and is like, Prosper, what's going on? You have disrupted the story. And it's really interesting that even the villainous characters in this, like, in this, like, world are still beholden. Even the good and bad characters are beholden to the Ice Queen. And it's so interesting. Like, it's like this whole Westworld situation where these stories must play over and over again at the oversight of the Ice Queen, and if they miss a step, they must be 
frozen. Yeah. There's but, some kind of like a Black Mirror Twilight Zone thing. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so with that said, um, they continue to... Um, they go on their... Well, they're in, they're in swan form now. Yeah, so and they they're don't trying really to act know... natural. So they're what? just not really sure what to do. They know that they got to get to the palace to turn back into humans. So they're so. trying to figure out how to fly, essentially, which Kristen seems to figure out really quickly, but Haley is having trouble. Yeah. Also, it's kind of funny. Uh, Kristen has, like, her little tiara on as a swan, but Haley still has her glasses on as a swan, too. <laughs> yeah. Which none of the characters make any comment on this. No, no. Also, like, they... they it's interesting that like no one really acknowledges Haley. I mean people converse with Haley and stuff like that and like she is an active player in these stories but like most of them aren't too like weirded out by her like despite her anachronistic fashion and stuff like that yeah yeah but anyway also while this is happening uh the Kenbo squared are out in the woods and they're like bickering about like oh I do hard work oh I'm rich essentially and uh so and uh so hilarion is telling um uh albrecht albrecht that uh he he has the skill of hunting so he like shows him his arrow skills and then albrecht is like i will do that and he fails miserably yes and so we get their like little banter scene yeah and it's very good yeah very very good but by the time they get to swan like they're singing together they're They're singing john jacob jingleheimer schmidt for some reason I don't know why they chose that song but i i'm here for it yeah but they find the two swans who are still figuring out how to like go how to uh fly away yeah and Haley is like you know let's like mess with them or like talk yeah to them or yeah something. let's get let's tell them to piss off and so they're they're cause they're gonna try and cause some goose related mischief but nope they are just like drawing arrows on there like yes that'll be a perfect yeah well he's like yeah that'll be a perfect gift and he's just like straight up pulling the arrow this will be a perfect gift for giselle and so they're like nope and they fly away yeah and after that like the Albrecht is like, what girl wants a dead bird? No, no, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. He's like, what girl wants a dead bird for a present? And he's like, oh, a dead bird could give you a bunch of meat and feathers for down. Yes, he says like, oh, a bird like that had meat for 20 days and enough goose down for a pillow or for a a gown or something else. And yeah, it's... (laughs) interesting Mm -hmm. so they're flying also we get a really weird scene where the snow queen is talking to characters from the nutcracker telling them to find her and it's like the nutcracker and then the sugar plum fairy and the sugar plum fairy like i guess says something is like super hyper and like annoys the snow queen and so so she just freezes her like even get like the dance of the sugar plum fairy uh music in the background which this scene wouldn't be remarkable except the nutcracker never appears again in this the movie. nutcracker never appears again like I, I just re- he shows up for this one scene looking like he's gonna like go after them but then he just like disappears yeah which makes which is so weird it's it's a very strange decision like it's like 
it really felt like there was like a longer version of this movie where there would be a nutcracker sequence in it. Yes. And but it just didn't. It just got cut, but for some reason they still kept this scene in. I think it was because like if they didn't include it, they wouldn't have enough time and people would probably be mad that like, oh, you did a ballet movie but didn't mention Nutcracker. Yeah, but it's like he never comes back, so it's yeah. just really weird. It like, is there are even strange. some other nods to like Nutcracker in this movie. Like the final dress she gets looks a lot like Clara's final dress. Uh-huh. Like actually both of her final dresses, both in the fantasy world and the real world, kinda of look like that. Mm. So I just okay I don't want to interrupt the flow too much, but I just realized another thing that this really, really reminded me of. Into the Woods. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because it's like a ballet version of Into the Woods because it's just like all these different stories happening at the same time but are being disrupted. It's so interesting. Mm. What if it had like a section that was like the second act of Into the Woods? Oh, my God. Everyone just starts dying. (laughs) Everyone starts dying. I don't know. My favorite thing, if we got a himbo version of Agony... (laughs) I mean, those two characters are essentially those two characters. They are! They like are. And they are like the princes that are just going off this random girl they just met. Oh, it's great. It's yeah. real great. But so they eventually fly their way to the party. Only unfortunately, uh, Rothbart and his daughter Odile, who is Tara. Tara, has disguised herself as Odette, and they are going to go and dance with the prince. Yep, but <laughs> instead of like. The whole dramatic thing that happened in The Swan Princess, where... The ducks just go loose and just start causing chaos. Yeah, they just, like... I mean, it's now somewhat cliche in 2020 to bring up Untitled Goose Game whenever a avian of a certain mischief quality appears, but... The like just the hot cake and all that stuff. There I just couldn't stop thinking of do 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 And I'm just like, yes, yes, destroy, cause mischief on purpose. So they enter at the party until Odette, I mean Kristen is finally able to transform back into a human after the Sun goes down, and then she, like, gets in a dance-off with Odile, where, like, the prince is just, doesn't seem to be able to comprehend what's happening. He's just kind of going with it. Yeah, like, this is our sporty himbo. Yeah. And, like, but of course, because Kristen is not like the other girls, she starts doing, like, her unique dances, (laughs) and then he's like, I know you're the one now. I mean, if the heavy purple eyeshadow on Odile wasn't enough but yeah. whatevs and when Odile loses she starts like doing like the meltdown thing she's like daddy I was the closest we get to a good old good old bird bird Odile from the first movie all I'm saying is that they could have just made I mean actually I would say like oh they should make his nose more bird like but then that gets a little bit into the whole anti-semitic territory and I don't maybe that's why then this version they're like hmm we could probably dial it. that down, which... Well, in that one, they did literally turn into birds, <laughs> Yes, that is more justified, and also early CGI stuff. Yeah. Like, you could take more liberties with that. But, yeah. yeah. So, we get it, and of course, like, the prince is already like, you should marry me now. And she's like, well, not now, but maybe if uh, after school we go to the same college. <laughs> and he is like, what's, what's college? I, no, I just... <laughs> No. The himbo is up 
charts. The himbo's off the charts, but I also just love Kristen's reactions to all of these things. Yeah, like she's just like, oh, not again. <laughs> she's just like, why does this keep happening to me? Like, it's really interesting that even though there are distinct love interests in here, that it isn't a focus. Usually in these movies, like, there would still be, like, a token attempt, which I guess in some of the more recent movies they've kind of departed from. I mean, more in certain respects. Or, like, it doesn't such, like, a big focus. Like, there's only, like... You don't really see them getting together yeah. a lot. Like, they don't really end with a marriage anymore. It's because she has a girlfriend already. <laughs> but, yeah. the But to your point, that, like, oh, well, maybe, who knows, maybe if we applied to the same college. That's just, like, that feels like a very high school thing to say, where it's like, yeah. oh, I love you, but also, like... The chances of us staying together after high school are, like, yeah. Kristen is realistic, she is pragmatic, and even though she dances to her own beat, like, she, she knows what she wants. Yeah. And what but... she wants is a girl. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, as this is all going down, uh-oh, Haley has been captured by the Snow Queen, and so it's up I, to I gotta say, to I love, go after her. I love how the Snow Queen gets her, where she's just like... You're not part of the story. Mm-hmm. And just damsels her. Like, I I mean, the whole damsel in distress kind of trope is kind of like, eh. But, like, I think the uh, listener, if you are interested in knowing how I think about stories and stuff, a great channel on YouTube is Overly Sarcastic Productions. They're videos on tropes in their trope talk series are really really interesting and so at the risk of quoting them too much in this like damsel and distress stories like they come with a certain like baggage especially since like the women characters are generally treated as like the equivalent of a macguffin where their agency is not taken into account but damsel stories don't necessarily have to be that type of stories like not every version of this trope is hashtag problematic sometimes it can be like a really interesting way well, to like it's Kristen that's going to save her well and it also, is like Haley was like an established character exactly like, yeah that's usually yeah, yeah that's usually the problem with a lot of damsel and distress like tropes is that it like sacrifices the characters for the purposes of like a shortcut in the story and as you say like it's Kristen that's the one that saves her and Haley already has this established characterization so she's running off towards the castle and oh she's like she's so sad and it's honestly like yeah she gets her lowest point this point yeah she's now now the stakes are personal oh yeah which I okay also side note the backgrounds in this movie like they are honestly some of the most i mean the backgrounds in these movies have yeah, always it's been so very nice gr- to get, like a return to that kind of like sort of like that, oil painting pastel kind of look yes after that gro- so many movies of very like kind those of glaring, landscapes like... i'm a sucker for a gothic landscape yeah. give me that albert bierstadt and by golly, they deliver, like, everything from Swan Lake to the Snow Castle to, like, 
even the tents and all that stuff. The production design is off the charts in this movie. It's so good. I know, it's definitely one of like the better looking ones we've seen in a long time. Yeah, but at her lowest point, uh, it's the himbos to the rescue. Yeah, she runs into Albrecht and uh, Hilarion, who are still kind of like trying to convince her. And there's this <laughs> one joke where they're where like Hilarion is like, "You should be with me. We have at least thirteen good years between us." <laughs> like going through the whole joke, like, "Hey, in the olden days, they didn't live very long." <laughs> Which. <laughs> I mean, truth, that is slightly a misconception. Most, like, the reason why we think, like, life expectancy was so low. Don't get me wrong. It was low. But a lot of that, those averages were slightly skewed because of high child mortality rates. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, it wasn't a crazy rarity for, like, peasants to be able to live to, like, 60 or 70. But... It's kind of like if you made it past like eight, you were you were doing good. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that was usually mm-hmm. like the benchmark there. But yeah, man, this this climax though. So our himbo supreme help get uh, Kristen to the castle, but not after like the two himbos shared a horse together, no. and he's like. Please, buck a little less. I'm chafing. <laughs> and it's just like, they oh, made a ball joke. Oh, God. It's, <laughs> it's, it's fun. But it's they, so, they, so they make it to the Snow Queen's palace where she has, like, her petrified victims just, like, strewn out over the place. Mm-hmm, and it's kind mm-hmm. of, it is kind of a creepy atmosphere. because It really in. is. Like, they're walk. it definitely gives, like, the White Witch, like, cat, like, statue garden vibes and mm-hmm. they're just like walking past all these frozen statues and it's it's very very haunting and i i love yeah. it so much but it ends up getting turned up to the max when they get to the throne room and the ice queen is just menacingly sitting on the throne like that's the nice thing about this one i don't have to look for her she comes to me and it's like and then she like snaps her fingers and we see Haley made up as a ballerina and and it's like and she has this like vacant expression on his face and she's just kind of like mindlessly just sort of dancing and it's like on one hand she looks so pretty but at the same time it's so creepy i love it yeah this is like maybe the closest a barbie movie's got to like trying to get to more like kind of creepy areas yes because we get essentially the snow queen just like controlling her and of course kristen knows it's wrong because she's like she's not a dancer she's not a dancer her body's not used to this and it's exemplified by the fact that Haley like almost immediately collapses from like physical duress like if they were allowed to they totally could have like made her feet start bleeding on that that might have been a bit too grotesque but it's like oh yeah it's, I can it's going to some places it's going to some places and i'm here for it yeah but from there like in the snow queen is like everything must be perfect and you too shall be perfect. And 
from there we get like this whole battle of wits where the Snow Queen is controlling Kristen to dance like how she wants, but yes, slowly all while the Kenbos do absolutely nothing. So I don't really know why she brought them along. I mean she needed the horses. Yeah, she needed the emotional support. Yeah. <laughs> But if so we see, so she's trying to control uh, Kristen. And she's like, "There's only one way to do things." Really, really hammering in that message yeah, of this movie. It, a subtle movie. This is not uh, until but, Kristen really digs down deep and she starts doing her special dance moves, and she dances so hard that the Snow Queen explodes, <laughs> and she also yeah. gets another wardrobe change. Yeah, you know, I gotta say this the. And that kind of goes into, like, that whole, like, the dancing actually being used to increase, like, the plot and the character. Yeah, like, I'm trying to think back to the other, like, movies where dancing was, like, a key element, like Twelve Dancing Princesses and Nutcracker. Yeah, and but all of those, like, most of the time the dancing is just, like... Very incidental, and the dancing wasn't even used in the climax. Most of the time it was just about, like, getting the magic beam. Yeah, Shout watch out. out for the magic beam. Uh, it's been... A... Oh, I mean, we did get magic beans and mermaid tail, too. Never mind. It's been, it's, been <laughs> it's been a while, but yeah. We're not out of the magic beam woods yet. Oh, God. But yeah, this is a really, really interesting take on this whole idea of the Snow Queen. Like, in other versions of the Snow Queen, they uh, melt her heart and she either dies from that or she becomes a good person because of that. I will t say this, this might be a little bit of a hot take, but to compare this movie to Frozen, it's a very apples and oranges situation, but it's really, really interesting to think about how these are both two movies that heavily explore, like, female friendship and also has a lot of gay undertones, mm. and they both use the Snow Queen to talk about like different forms of like being yourself and being able to like buck standard traditional values like like we joked earlier about how this movie was like ripping off frozen but like it it parallels frozen in terms of its thematic quality of like bucking traditional systems of like expectations placed it also upon has young women. That whole, like you can't really get married to someone you j literally just met. Yes, it's so like the fact that this movie was definitely released before like uh Frozen came out and like I mean, it was somewhat notorious that Disney's Frozen was kind of a production nightmare for people in the know in the animation industry and there's a good chance that people who worked at Rainmaker might have known about this, but I gotta say, like, it's really interesting that both of these movies ended up taking this classic story of the Snow Queen and using it to, like, tell a very similar story, but in radically different ways. And you can definitely say that, like, Disney's Frozen definitely might have been a little bit more radical in how it approached that, which, I mean, as radical as you could have been. For a Disney movie, like, actually, Emma, what's your stance on Frozen? I mean, I liked it a lot when I came out. I honestly haven't rewatched it in a while, but I really liked it when it came out. I, I was also one. I maybe it's because like 
this is just who I was, but I always liked Anna more than Elsa, but that's... I mean, I always like both of them. I mean, I, I, mean, I like they, them. They're a package deal, obviously, yeah. but I feel like... I don't know. I think it was uh, Frozen was very influential for its time. Definitely. And I feel like a lot of like the hatred that came for it was way more just kind of like backlash from how like popular it got. Definitely. Than like it being, I get... like bad, you know. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I understand the annoyance people would have for uh hearing Let It Go for the 87th time. But it's a good song. It's a really good song. It really is a good song. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm more of a first time in forever type of guy, but... Yeah, but Let It Go, that's like the power ballad. That's the power ballad, and and it's definitely that one musical song where it's like, I'm gonna break free, I'm not going to do this anymore. Adina Menzel is gonna sing really loudly now. I'm gonna slam the door, throw away the key. No one's gonna stop me now. It's like that Chris Fleming uh, skit where he's like, you know, eventually they're just gonna like do those types of be yourself, forget what they say, do what you want to do, and they're just gonna end up translating that into like a really weird message. Okay. Like, I'm gonna do what I want to do. I'm going to hook up with my horse. And it's like, <laughs> whoa, no, don't do that. Again, you know, I don't think we've actually ever gotten like a power ballad in one of these movies. No, we really haven't. Like, not I'm, really a super like Broadway style. Like, the closest ballad. we ever did get was "I'm Just Like You" and "Free" from Princess well, those and the Popper. Power ballads. That's know? true. Those are just like they're cute. just like songs. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm talking like we need a girl to go and belt really high about how. She wants adventure in the great wide somewhere. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We, at this point, we are frankly and overdue. And by adventure in the great wide somewhere, she means... A man. Mary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I gotta say, like, that is something that I was thinking about the other day, too. Like, it's... With all of these, like, big... Mu- like, the fact that 85% of Broadway musicals right now are just, like existing movies and nostalgia properties like i feel like if you look at the broadway scene right now you got hades town hamilton and then the rest are just movies oh god movies the musical speaking of hades town it would be fun if one of these barbie movies did like some kind of greek mythology thing barbie as orpheus (laughs) the barbie odyssey oh my god the movies keep on coming. Mattel hit us up. That, that, that opens so many possibilities, it really. You could really do. does. I mean, all this to say that, like, with, like, nostalgia properties, like, becoming the big thing on Broadway, like, heck, we even got an Anastasia stage show. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm Barbie honest. Barbie as Anastasia. <laughs> no, the thing I was going to say, like, I mean, in terms of, like, the musical, it's, n- I honestly think Diamond Castle is the better one, but, like, they could totally do a stage musical version of Barbie Princess and the Popper, and you just freaking know the musical theater nerds would eat that shit up. Mm-hmm. I I would see it. 
I would love to see a live stage show. Like, the closest we ever got to a live Princess and the Popper was the Macy's Thanksgiving Day performance in 2004, which... There was a Macy's Thanksgiving Day performance in 2004? Yes. Oh. Oh, yes. They, like, they had a float for to promote, like, Barbie Princess and the Popper, and they basically had two people dressed up as the two lip-syncing to the... lip-syncing to the I'm Just Like You song. And it was pretty charming. I loved it. The only problem with that clip was Matt Lauer being there where people were making jokes about, like, hey, Matt, you you love Barbies? And he's like, hmm, well, not really my thing. And it's just like, oh, of course that's what you'd say, you filthy sex pest. <laughs> Christ. I just thought, uh... I need to know from Island Princess is kind of a power ballad. Yeah. Until it becomes a duet, then it's not. Until it does become a duet, yeah. But you know, it does have that I want song. Yeah, I mean, she, especially like the acoustic version that they had for that, like, Mm -hmm. God. But we're getting a little bit off track, but. Yeah, let's get back to the plot of the movie. Like, I mean, there's not a whole lot left because after the. After she she explodes, like. Like, she ends up helping Haley up, and God, like, they, and they embrace, and it's just, like, one of those, like, now kiss <laughs> moments, because they look so cute together, like, like, honestly, like, don't get me wrong, this movie is not as gay as Diamond Castle, like, I don't no. think, at, like, after you see your two heroines fly off on a rainbow, there are few things that could be gayer than that, yeah. but... The people who say that Princess and the Popper is gayer than this one are like, eh. eh. I feel like people genuinely forget that they don't like. They barely interact. In they Princess barely and interact, and they immediately the first part of the movie. Yeah, and they immediately pulled up. We could be just like sisters, which, yeah. as you pointed and out, they both marry men. Yeah, like immediate, like in a joint wedding. <laughs> yeah, but no, this. It's great, and with that, they end up pulling a. There's no place like home, and yeah, she just takes off the shoes, and, and they're, they're, they're home. Yep, and Which, they're like, "What the heck just happened?" And then suddenly, everyone's being nice to them because it's apparently the night of the showcase now. Yeah, well, they established early on that it was like the day of the showcase now. That oh, that's right, it was the final. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. I I was under the impression that it was like. It was happening the next no, night. Or I something. assume it's a thing where like no time really passed. Yeah, since yeah. Written there, but so she gets a new fancy dress and she goes out there to perform the milkmaid. But then, in uh, a very not milkmaidy dress. In a yes. Also, before she left, a hilarion gave her a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> that she did. Yes. And and. And the gold to- coin, yeah, which has two heads, because earlier Albrecht and Hil- uh, Hilarion were like, "Oh, we'll go north if it's head, and south if it's tails." And she, and he flipped, "I'll choose heads," and it turns out it's a two-headed coin, <laughs> which that's a and nice. It's touch. his own head. He y- said, "Yeah, <laughs> good characterization." Yeah, Can't but... wait for him to become Two Face. <laughs> But yeah, more like just one face if there's only one side. Mm. Well, well, because Harvey Dent and uh, anyway, uh, 
so at the performance um in the audience we see two familiar himbos yeah they're just hanging out which it definitely is my headcanon that they're just like boyfriends they are just boyfriends and they're just hanging out for no real reason except the obvious i mean they are the directors of an international ballet company Uh, yeah you saying those boys are straight (laughs) yeah one of them absolutely one of them is wearing a like slightly unbuttoned like dress shirt under his blazer and the others in like a full tux like you're telling me that that is straight like nah like they're by or pan at most on that spectrum like but you just know those two of like those two be smooching uh-huh so barbie gets to dance not before tara does of course first does her dance and she does really good and she's yeah. very congratulatory to Kristen, yeah and tara's so. being really nice which again makes me wonder like something just changed i guess like yeah. Maybe maybe she got a Snickers said, or something. Yeah, said, Tara was just angry. Yeah. But Barbie does her dance, but she like does it differently and she has like a dress transformation, which how it happens is unclear. Yeah. It's the, one of these things is like, is this like a fantasy sequence or is this magic or whatever? I mean clearly not because she like, gets like a dress that looks even more like Clara's dress from Yeah, and her. like People aren't very much okay with this, which, I mean, simultaneous... God, I feel like this is something that some ballet production has attempted, like a dress transformation mid-dance. Like, Um, it's already such a spectacle in, like, a lot of these stage productions. Quick changes in the middle of the stage are pretty, like... I guess not common, but they're definitely a thing. Definitely. Like, I mean, Frozen the Musical, like... uh, Like, that's apparently, like, the one, like redeeming quality of the (laughs) frozen stage show from what people have said about it so yeah i don't know uh it's it's really interesting and after the performance like everyone's very happy with it and like so soon they're introduced to the two uh like international ballet dudes yeah the Two royal ballet dudes end up coming in, and they're just, like, astonished. And Tara and Dylan, they are the new leads in, like, their upcoming production. What did they say the production was? Giselle. Giselle, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, she's Giselle, and he's gonna be, like, Prince. Albrecht. Yeah. And, like, he's initially bummed about it. He's like, he seems like a pompous jerk. And and then, like... But, that... but Barbie is like, he has hidden depths. Yes, which is interesting and then and then uh Kristen has called and like initially like Madame Natasha's like oh yes well that was astonishing just the thing that we need for our new ballet company especially with that dress and it's like okay they're commenting on the dress they're like yeah 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 and so they're essentially going to give her her own show to essentially do what she wants so yeah and then natasha was like it was wrong of me to try to make you another tara i should have just let you be Kristen." and so we got the whole be yourself message yeah which you know what oh that we did slightly gloss over this in the dance battle thing but like uh like the Snow Queen was saying, like, no, you must dance exactly like this. This story must be told this way. To which Kristen responds, no, 
you should be able to tell a story however you want. Yeah, and I that, think that maybe that part was a commentary on, like, Barbie movies as a whole and their, like, revisionist stories kind of stuff. I mean, partially, but I think it also, like... I mean, you know what? There are some people who do, like, poo-poo some of the revisionist takes on some of these tales, which there is a lot of stuff to criticize wow, with that. Wow, how dare this kid movie not end with the main character committing suicide like in the original. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's a lot more uncomfortable when it comes to, like, things like in Princess and the Popper where they... Or Thumbelina. But... Like, the overall point I appreciate, like, being able to know how to adapt something so that, like, you can address things and change for the modern times. And I don't know, like, I'm going to be interested in seeing, like, I mean, I initially thought that the, uh, oh, what was the movie? Uh, Barbie, A Fashion Fairy Tale was going to be a sign of things to come, which in, in a sense it was. But at the same time, it indicated, like, a shifting direction. And I think this is also, like, an indication of a shifting direction. And I, and it, honestly, if they keep on this track, I'm going to be very, very, very interested in seeing, like, where they go with this. Yeah. But, yeah, with that... Uh, yeah, it kind of ends. And also, we get a wham shot where it reveals that Katarina has a whole bunch of pink shoes. Yeah. So she's like a witch or something. She's like know. a witch that, I guess, sends aspiring ballerinas on these, like, ballet-themed journeys. Mm. Yeah. I wonder, I wish every profession had someone, like, you go into accounting and they're like, I don't like this. And they're like, here, let me give you this magic typewriter. <gasps> Suddenly... You get to visit the world of spreadsheet management. Ooh. You learn how to be your own spreadsheet manager. <laughs> yes. Or, or like if you're a chef, they give you the special kitchen knife and then like you go into a fantasy world where it's like all the famous chefs. Bobby Flay is there. <laughs> Gorgon Ramsay is there. Uh, the chef from Ratatouille is there. <laughs> the you haven't even mentioned Chef Boyardee is there. The disrespect to our Lord and Savior Guy Fieri. Oh yeah, Guy Fieri. How dare you? <laughs> yes, he's definitely there. He's the god of it. <laughs> and then How they dare take you, you on like a food I can't believe you've done adventure. this. Hey, you Mr. Know. Fieri, we apologize. Oh, god. Uh but uh but yeah, I got to say though Barbie in Flavortown. <laughs> Christ. But, yeah. So that's the end of this movie. Also, that's what we thought would be the end of this movie. But remember how we talked about how there was a missing... It felt like not Cracker was missing, but... Like, as we suspected, like, it seemed like they did have more stuff planned with Nutcracker in this movie, but it had to be cut out. And... Part of that evidence is due to the short that they released, which was Barbie and the Pink Shoes, like, uh, I think it was like... Visit the Land Can of Sweets? The Land of Sweets, yeah. So this is where we get the Nutcracker sequence that was not in the movie, which this is like a sequel to the movie because it's Barbie talking to her little sister, Hannah. Yes. And what was very interesting is that the beginning of the short, I think is like... It's almost like... Like shot for shot, the beginning of... 
Barbie as the Nutcracker. Yeah. Because it's her practicing with her little sister and her little sister not getting confident. And there's a little detail I noticed that in the original movie, when, like, Kelly is like, oh, this is too hard, we get a shot of, like, Barbie turning off one of those, like, portable CD, CD players. players. And then she walks version... over and she just turns off her phone. And yeah, I'm like... but in this version, yeah, she turns off her smartphone. It's like, dang, that's really... Imagine, like, going from, like, 2001 or 2000... To 2013 times and, yeah, and going did from, a like, change. And going from, like, portable CD player to the smartphone. It's like, dang. Dang. That must feel... I wonder how that felt for, like, the director, you know? Yeah. Like, so much time had passed. I know. I mean... I mean, I would like to think that, like, given the amount of passion and, like, creativity and interesting stories that was told in this like i hope owen hurley is proud of his work on these movies because he deserves to be proud like like we poo-pooed on swan lake a bit and nutcracker to an extent but honestly those movies have been so well remembered for a reason and they are the reason why this series has lasted as long as it has and Man, seeing how far we've come with this short is honestly something that's been, like, refreshing. Because, like, yeah. yeah, but anyway, this leads to, like, a whole thing where, like, Barbie gets her her own pink slippers. And they're and transported she's like, to these the... helped me out a long time ago. And so they go to, like, the Nutcracker sequence. And they dance the Nutcracker dances. There's honestly not a whole lot to yeah, this one. Yeah, it's pretty much just dancing. They do the little snowflake people again. Yeah, and they, they have... do... So in this one, they... Uh... They have uh, Dylan a... playing the prince, but the Nutcracker is also prince. The Nutcracker so like is also... characters. Yeah, which one. I... I mean, by golly, they made that character model, and they are gonna use it. I know. So we get it's just essentially just them doing the Nutcracker dance. Yeah, they do the dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy, and that's. I will say about it. There's, there's a distinct lack of uh, Commander Candy and oh, his yeah. <laughs> and his twink husband. Oh God, yes. I was hoping we would see them, but yeah. Shame, but. Also, there's a Siberian husky there. Yeah, named there's Pirouette. like this like cute animal sidekick that like you think like maybe that was someone they wanted to be in like the movie itself, but it it got relegated to the short. I get the sense that they were like, shoot, like there's literally no way to put this in the story that would make sense. So, but Mattel still so, like, wants we, us they, to we put need the merch. A cute animal sidekick to go with this movie, so. and they're just like, all right, short, fine, yeah, and. But other than that, not really much to talk about the short. Yeah, it's just but it does... I bring this up because it does bring up an interesting thing. Like, this movie has a really interesting dynamic with its characters. It's got, like, this really interesting established conceit. Like, this idea of just visiting different ballet stories, righting the wrongs, and doing that stuff. Honestly, like... We say this a lot where I would have loved to see this movie developed into a TV show, but could you imagine, like, a, like, TV show where Barbie, like, uses classical ballet stories to learn life lessons and, like, help her friends and herself overcome different things while, while showing off this great ballet dancing? Granted, I don't know if there would even be a good enough budget considering, like, how expensive motion capture for these dances must be, especially with the dancers. But I think that would genuinely be a really interesting idea. Like, 
already like just with the stuff of the ballet is that we saw in this movie like i really learned a lot about ballet with this like not a crazy amount but it i think the general consensus of ballet is you either think of like something that you take your eight-year-old too until they get tired of it at, as a teenager or a really rich person thing and yeah, i think ballet like, is kind of a struggling art it's this sort of like prestige thing yeah it's sort of hard to like really reach a more general audience yeah it's kind of like the style is kind of inherently alienating yeah but i mean part of that is done by the ballet community because I mean, let's be honest, there is a definite sense of elitism that yeah. surrounds it. I think there are, like, alternative ballet studios oh, and stuff that do, like, definitely. really interesting stuff. Definitely. Yeah, like, there's, like, plenty of independent dance studios out there that, like, try to, like, incorporate more modern dances or, like, more international dances into the craft. And I think, like, it's one of those things where I think it would be a really interesting thing if they explore more of this world like show me some of these other ballets i know there are plenty of ballets out there like show me a cinderella ballet show me the uh god there i'm trying to think of the other ballets that i can think of like i don't know a lot of them and that's yeah. why a tv show like that would be amazing it would be like how uh anime fans don't know anything about a certain sport until they make an anime about it Oh it could be the same with Barbie. I'm surprised Barbie hasn't really done, like, a sports movie. I mean, aside from surfing, yeah. Yeah. God, that's another... Mattel. We're a lot less qualified, but we're definitely more in the area of literature, but we could definitely make a Barbie sports movie. There is definite demand there. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, a Barbie soccer movie to coincide with, like, Women's World Cup? That thing writes itself. Anywho. She'd have, like, a rival, like, soccer player, and they would, like, hate each other at first, but then they would become friends. And meanwhile, there would be, like, an evil manager that it was revealed, oh, they're not paying them as much as the male soccer players. Yeah, very topical. Mattel, script writes itself, hit us up. You know, as we were going with this, I was kind of thinking... While they were doing this, like, Barbie's Ballet, I'm surprised they haven't done any sort of, like, Shakespeare Barbie. Like, Barbie and Romeo and Juliet or something. Since it's already kind of popular to make, like, kitty versions of Romeo and Juliet. Emma, do not tempt me. We we already say enough of how this book or movie or thing would make a great Barbie movie. That well of Shakespeare stuff. That Barbie and Taming of the Shrew. (laughs) (sighs) listener you can't see the facial expression i have but it is not a facial expression of enjoyment (laughs) i was thinking more like barbie and the tempest or a barbie midsummer night's dream that would be good with the the ballet yeah you got fairies you got ballet you got the you You got got the potential of himbos (gasps) oh oh yeah oh michelle Oh, I'm getting fired up. Oh, my God. Holy, sh- holy crap. Like, like uh, so Demetrius and Lysander, those would be the two Kenbos. Those would be the two Kenbos. And I feel then... like Puck would be like a fun animal sidekick instead of a person in their version. As Puck it... would be Bibble. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> no! <laughs> no! 
or a, a bibble equivalent. Yeah. He'd be very bibble-like. He'd be like yeah. a tiny creature that's just going around causing mischief. Oh. And then, like, you could even have, like, the... Co- <gasps> like, if you wanted to add an antagonist into it, you can have, like, the players be like, we must capture the fairies so our play can be perfect! Yeah. So many opportunities. Oh my god, so many opportunities. <sighs> Anywho, is there anything else to mention with these movies? Uh, not really. Yeah. We kind of got a bit off topic, but, but you know. But there's this movie. I mean, you could probably tell a little bit in our introduction, but we were, I don't know. I needed this movie today. Yeah. Today was a little bit of a hard yeah, day. It was but... just so nice after, like, so many movies where they were just kind of passably mediocre to have one that, like, would have This a was a truly phenomenal film. Definitely in the S tier. Definitely in my top five. I'm giving this thing five pink shoes out of five. Emma, do you agree? I'm giving it four and a half buckets. Out of five? Yes. All right. Well, what what would you say is something that should improve with this movie? Um, I don't know. Just maybe, like, giving a bit more depth to the characters. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe just a bit more of uh, emphasis on the stakes early on. I think so, too. Yeah, I think that is actually true. I don't think it's, like, I don't know. I feel like most movies are not, like, perfect, though. That's fair. That's fair. I, I mean, we've already talked about how this grading scale of ours is, like arbitrary Ar- very arbitrary like i'm the kind of person where like i don't really like sort of defining things by like how many stars or points yeah or whatever. fair enough but i d- this is a great one yeah i definitely I'm, say check this out if you're curious because it's definitely it's check very this out. interesting especially if you like those like old school barbie movies definitely like definitely one. like i mean the phrase they don't make them like they used to is a uh, annoying phrase but man like, I think having a mixture of, like, these types of movies and some of the newer stuff that they were doing, like, there's a lot of really interesting opportunities. And to my knowledge, I don't know if they ever, like, tap back into this again, so... I don't know. What is the next movie? We are at, what, like, 20th, 21st? At, like, we're... Far in, We are really far in. Like, did We've you... gone too deep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a sunk cost fallacy... Uh, thing at this point but like did you expect us to make it this far i'm not sure like i'm glad that we did though i really am glad too like i mean that we've stuck to it and that the podcast has been pretty successful yeah yeah i i gotta say like this has been an utter delight and i would say that this this movie like as down as we have been on it, like, it does show that there are genuinely creative and gifted people that are working on this, and there is a genuine passion and a lot of great potential in these stories. And I think it would behoove people to not underestimate it just because the name Barbie is attached to it. I don't know. I'm... It's very... It feels very vindicating for... I guess the overall mission statement of this podcast. But next time in here, you're gonna <laughs> have some reactions to this. But so we talked a bit about how uh, there are certain undertones, mm-hmm. some uh, relationship things between uh, our two female leads. Uh, yeah. The next movie is one that 
according to people on the internet, also has many of those undertones. And that is Barbie, Mariposa, and the Fairy Princess. We go into Fairytopia again. I know. It's been so long. It's been so long. It, we it's shall... so vastly, like, there's such a big gap between the first Mariposa film and this one. Yeah, so I feel like... Also, I think this is the last one Elise Allen wrote. Mm-hmm. God, it's like the end of an era. It really is. Man, Elise Allen... We we talk a lot of smack about your movies, and I kind of feel bad about it, but at the same time, I know you got that paycheck. Hope it. I hope it certainly was for a lot, but yeah. good, yeah. But yeah, when you come by us next time, listener, we shall journey through the rainbow one last time. Will Bibble be back? You know how... how uh, in a in a certain form, there's a a bibble baby. No. <laughs> so thank you, one and all, for listening to the Pink Isle. Uh, as, again, I'm Henry Cuthman. This is Emma Corey. Emma, as you stave off your, uh, I gotta say, your passion for deep bibble has significantly dropped. These I, pa- I like I I created this monster, you know, <laughs> and I've I've had to deal with it, but. I, I I hate to love him, or I love to hate him. I have one of those. Anyway, I work for the Shield at USI. Yes. Check on my stuff if you want to. Oh my! The enthusiasm behind (laughs) you, because your writing's great. You are great. I appreciate you. This movie—it's invigorated me. It's given me like an energy, and I like an inspiration for me to create to express myself to dance. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, Judy Dench. <laughs> Listener, you can see, but I just did a nice dramatic leg kick. Oh, my God. But, yeah, as for me, listener, man, I'm so happy right now. Uh, you can listen to more of our stuff uh, if you want to, if you enjoy what we do on the internet. You can follow the Pink Owl at Twitter on P- at Pink Owl Pod. And, uh... Whatever podcast platform you listen to, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spotify, give us a follow. Make sure you're subscribed. Give us a rating if you can, or leave a comment on our Podbeam page. We really appreciate it, and we do like genuinely, genuinely appreciate all the great stuff that you guys have to say for us. But aside from that, um, man, we haven't plugged this in a while. Our theme song is Dolls by the... K-pop band Nine Muses. Uh, go support the official releases of that, I guess. Uh, as for my stuff, if you enjoy what I do, you can follow me all around the internet at Henry Kathman uh, on YouTube, uh, Kathman Henry on Twitter, my official Tumblr portfolio, Kath- uh, henrykathman.tumblr.com, or if you support the work, want to support the work I do and all the crazy stuff I do from podcasts to RPGs to videos to just way too many stuff, check me a dollar on Patreon. Help me pay the bills. Uh, we really appreciate all the help. But yeah, Emma, am I forgetting anything? Uh, no. All right. Well, <laughs> until then. Emma. No. I so, no, no. we shall be together again. Oh, no.